He's one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on this show, and I'm excited to welcome back for the second time and for our very special Thanksgiving edition of the Honky Tonk Time Machine, Brian White. Brian, how's it going on this fine turkey day? I'm doing well, Glenn. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. It's always a highlight anytime I get to talk to you, and now we can officially call you a two-time member of the Honky Tonk Time Machine, which I must say has to be right up there with one of the biggest honors you've ever received. Like right there next to the CMA Horizon Award, I'm thinking. It, it's the, it's paramount. It is the <laughs> top of the hill. <laughs> Seriously, though, we, we welcome you back. A lot has transpired since we last talked. We talked in the summer of 2020, I believe it was. And obviously the, the country, the world was going through a big pandemic at that time. So a uh, lot's changed. How you been holding up since? Man, I... I... I'd hate to sound cliche, but man, I, I have today, this day, I have everything I need. I, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm doing great today, and I have more than, than enough, and I'm grateful that, that everybody in my family's good, and, and I'm, I'm just grateful today. So. Well, it's a great time to be grateful. It is Thanksgiving, and, and Brian, I am a huge Thanksgiving guy. How about you? Do you feel the same way about it as I do? I do, man. I am. I'm one of those warm and cozy guys. When the winter time and fall rolls around, I'm I'm immediately in my element. I know there's a lot of people that kind of loathe the holidays, you know, and and you know they have certain memories that are not so great that are wrapped around holidays. But man, this time of year is just a blast for me, especially Thanksgiving. I just I love to eat. I love to be with family, and I love you know watching movies, and I'm just. Uh, you know, I love all of it. For me, it's my favorite holiday, and I always say it's because you get all the, the benefits of Christmas, you know, the family, the food, the fellowship, but none of the pressures of having to give anybody a gift. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a great way to look at it. I'm, I'm going to add that to, to my, my thoughts about Thanksgiving. So Feel free to steal that. If you write a song about it, I want royalties. Give me your favorite Thanksgiving side dish, Brian. Mine, um, I guess this is a side dish, but I, I love, I love the yams. I love the, the, the sweet potato and the yams, those type of dishes with the, the toasted marshmallows on top of it. I love mm-hmm. it. Who brings the yams in the White family? My sister-in-law, uh, she just crushes that dish <laughs> and she knows that if, she knows that, uh, if, if that's not there, I won't come over, you know? No, I'm kidding, but she, she knows I love it, so she, you know, she kind of gives me that look and that wink. And when I walk in, she goes, "Look over there," you know, and it's sitting in the corner. And it's like glowing or something. It's got a halo around it, you know. <laughs> Shout out to the sister-in-law. Um, and on the flip side of that, least favorite. What can you do without? Oh um, gosh, I'm. It's weird because I had things that I hated as a kid that now I, I love them. Uh, you know, it's weird how your your palate kind of changes as you you know get older but uh i remember i used to go to family reunions and i'd go why are all these old people mixing all their food together it's so gross you know and and like now i i i don't care at all if my food touches you know but um there were things like cranberries and and stuffing that i hated as a kid and now those are things i, I really love um, i don't know if that really answers your question i, I actually like everything there's not really anything I, I dislike now i mean i i was a not a fan of of stuffing i guess but but i really enjoy stuffing now if, it, if it's made well you know i'm with you i didn't used to like my food touching and now i'm completely fine with it but i, I couldn't get you to trash the cranberry sauce like i thought you might you, you wouldn't go that far <laughs> well i'll say this 
I'm not a fan of the canned stuff. Uh-huh, yeah, with the ridges. So there, if that helps. I don't like any of it, but the canned stuff, especially the texture of it, the way it just kind of falls out of the can. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like gelatin or something, you know. Uh, do you have any big Thanksgiving traditions? Oh, I, I think uh, if there was a family tradition, we it's it's the fact that my brother and I always very much, I mean, we've maybe missed a few years, but uh, he and his family, are only, they only live about 15 minutes from us. And so we, we try very hard to to always you know get all you know, both of our families together so that's i guess that's uh, a tradition but maybe another one is you know we start kind of we really open the 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 can as far as we we really start watching all of the christmas movies right around this time you know my wife would be completely up for that she would start right now and she probably already has actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> Brian, what are you most thankful for these days? Um, I'm, I'm most thankful uh, for my family and my family's health. Um, everything that I do is because of them. Every decision I make, every every gig that I take, or every show that I take, uh, you know, it's all centered around them. Because I want, I just, I'm constantly thinking about how to give them the best, and I'm just that, you know, I'm thankful. Uh, I'm so thankful that God's given me such an amazing family and, and such a, an amazing life. Now, you know, not a perfect life. I've, I have, we've had plenty of struggles and, and plenty of mishaps and lemons handed to us along the way. But we, I'm, I'm, great, I'm just grateful for my family. That's the best thing to be grateful for because those are the ones that are sitting around the table when you're asking everybody what you're thankful for. So family, I'm glad to hear, is number one. But you've also had a, a brilliant career with Six number one hits, over five million albums sold. And last time we talked, we got into the songs quite a bit. We heard the stories behind the songs. I want to I want to dive a little bit deeper and talk about some of the other parts of your career that we didn't get a chance to. It is award season after all, and you were the 1996 Horizon Award winner at the CMAs, and then the New Male Vocalist winner at the ACMs, and that was kind of the year you blew up, 1996. I bet you're pretty thankful for those, too. What was that feeling like to take something like that home? Um, well, just to, just to preface how old I am, the, the Horizon Award no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that just, it's that, just to put that in perspective a little bit. But, no, um, when I think back to uh, the moment my name was called, uh, it, it's so hard uh, and difficult to describe the feeling, um, but a lot of people will say something to the effect of it kind of feeling a little bit like you're numb or kind of like an out-of-body experience or like you're floating. And that's, that's a great way to at least, you know, tr- sort of get, get it across, it, it, you know, that sort of at least kind of dances around how you felt. You know, it, it, re- it was like a, a very surreal uh, you know, kind of an a, a out-of-body experience type of uh, experience, you know, when, when somebody, uh, you know, hands you an award uh, for some of your work. And, and really in a short time, you know, I hadn't been at it for a very long time at that, at that point. You know, I was maybe three years in. Uh, of course, worked very hard, but um, I don't think you ever feel like you deserve an award. You know, I, I, I didn't feel like I'd deserved it i was grateful and very humbled but um you know it, it was i think my favorite experience um my, my favorite thing about winning those awards was i couldn't get out of my head uh that i had 
I had at least gone to Nashville and done what I wanted to do, and I, I was I was very cognizant of the fact that not only millions, millions of people were watching, but my family was watching. And I think it was just a great feeling to to know that they were watching me. And I, I went there, and I went after this thing, and, and, and I, I – I was just constantly thinking, I wonder what they're thinking right now. You know, this kid left here with no money like three years ago, you know, and, <laughs> and now he's on TV. And I, I remember calling my dad from a payphone when I won the ACM award, and my dad was very choked up, and he told me he was proud of me. And that, that's probably one of my favorite memories wrapped around awards. And, and I mean, that's to me, that I felt like, that was really the, the reward for me in winning those awards was my family was was proud of me and I I just I think that's awesome. Yeah, I remember you telling me that last time is that it was very important to you when you got to Nashville to to make your family proud. That was a big deal. Yeah, you know, I mean that's well because they they scraped together all they had, you know, and I, I want I did I knew it was. Uh, you know, I wanted them to know that I wasn't squandering it, you know, that I was really going to work hard for it, and, and I did, you know. I'm, I'm still working hard. <laughs> so. I bet. It's always a grind, I know. Um, do you remember who you were up against at the ACMs and CMAs that year? We were all kind of bunched in the same categories a lot. It was Wade Hayes and, um, gosh, David Lee Murphy, um, Red Akins, uh, and and a few others, Um I think Shania was in that Horizon category that year as well, oh, wow. and some other folks. I have to go back and look, but uh, my memory's fading, Glenn, so I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I- I'm glad you mentioned Wade Hayes and, and David Lee Murphy. Both have uh, been on my show as well. Both great to talk to. You actually just tweeted a big congrats to Wade. I know he's a fellow Oklahoman. He just went into the, I think, Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame. Is that right? Yes, sir. Tell me about that relationship. Did you know him growing up? You're both from Oklahoma. You're both known musicians. Or or how did that develop? Man, I don't mean to be cheesy or weird or too heavy here, but I just want to tell you, Wade is one of the most special friends in, in my arsenal of friends. And... We when we came out, um, I was really intimidated by Wade because he's just so talented, and you know we were both, you know, young guys, and and everybody's trying to be competitive, and you know we're all kind of, you know, just trying to kick everybody's butt and be great and all that, and that's all well and fine, but I, I wouldn't, I, I just, I never knew that many years down the road, you know, fate would would have us start doing a lot of shows together and and then we start getting to know each other and we we have become really great friends over the past 15 years and what i've learned so much about humility by being around wade uh he is just and and i've learned about survival and fighting and and uh that dude is tough as nails uh but he's got the softest heart and and uh such a great artist and man, he, I, w- I consider him one of my best friends. He, he is just such a superior human being. Well, I knew before talking to him that he had had a tough hand dealt to him a few times in his life. But when he told us the story of exactly, you know, what he had had to overcome as far as battling stage four cancer, I believe twice and overcoming it twice, uh, it just it, it brought a tear to my eye. He is he is a special, special human being. Yeah, he is, and I. I 
I enjoy my time around him because it's not it's not wasted time. It's always we, every conversation we have is is has a lot of weight to it, you know. Well, back in 1996, I, I made sure and tuned in to the CMA Awards and ACM Awards any chance I got. Recent years, I've, I've lost a little bit of interest, although this year's awards show, I tuned in and, and was, was pretty entertained. Did you get a chance? Do you still tune into those things or not? I watched bit, bits and pieces of it. I had an event going on, and so I was, I was kind of busy, but I did watch them, and I, I, I caught a lot of the residual news about it afterwards and and it seems like based on what i saw a lot of uh, people have have said this is one of the best award cmas that they've had we've had in in years i would agree with that i think so and i think the reason for it is because of all the tributes that they did and they brought back a lot of the older music with loretta lynn and alan jackson and uh, it, it really does seem like that particularly 90s country has, has made a really strong comeback over the last couple years there, there's definitely a a, a, a swell uh you know a, a, a kind of a resurgence with that up and and that kind of comes up in conversation you know quite often uh not just here in nashville but when i'm out on the road so that's that's a cool thing well especially being someone who is pretty prominent during that 90s run that's got to make you feel pretty good Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Those 90s Brian White hits were really something else. And last time you came on, we talked a lot about someone else's star. And you told us how that vocal was done in one take. Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. That's that's a really cool memory. Um, It it was a studio that uh, doesn't exist anymore. Again, just uh, giving (laughs) you some perspective on my age. But um, Billy Joe Walker Jr., who discovered me and and you know helped me get started and produced my first three records and uh, we did some guitar vocals together uh after i'd signed with asylum and someone else's star was a song i brought you know in in a pile of songs i had and uh, we did it as a guitar vocal and i didn't know any better then you know i was like 19 i just i didn't really understand a whole lot about recording at that time and I just thought, well, I got one shot here, you know, from top to bottom. That's kind of how I thought. I thought, you know, just very linear. And um, when we went in to actually cut the, the tracks for my first album, uh, Kyle Lenning, the co-producer and the label president, he was like, man, this is great. The, the guitar vocal was great the way it is. We're getting away from it with this, with the band. And, you know, the whole vibe is not the same. We, we need to called this studio and, and they grabbed the two inch the two inch the two inch analog tape <laughs> and they brought that over and um and so matt rawlings and and uh, billy and some other people kind of and paul lime they all sort of cut some very subtle parts around this acoustic guitar vocal and it was a one take vocal and um, it ended up being my first number one record and it was essentially a demo you know something that's not all that common is it no, it's it's really not. But it just it stands to it's a testament to you know sometimes you just need to leave stuff alone. Let you know sometimes things are captured. The first time you do them is is sometimes the best, oftentimes the best the best performance of it. You know. In doing these interviews with artists, I, I think that they call it if it's overproduced or something too much is done to it. They call it. Maybe a little bit too slick. Yes, correct. Yeah, slickly produced. Sometimes simpler is is better. Yeah, and you know what? I think uh, even people that you know uh, are just regular 
casual listeners and not necessarily in in music uh, or know know the terminology, I think they can even they sense when something's overdone or, or not completely authentic. You know, I mean, I think everybody kind of has a barometer that can kind of sense those things. You know. And I think that might speak to the popularity of like a, a Chris Stapleton or a, or a Laney Wilson right now because you see a lot of simplicity in their songs, or at least in my opinion. Without question. Without question. Another one of those big 90s hits was Rebecca Lynn, my favorite of yours. I even told you we named our firstborn daughter after that song. That's how much I loved it. And she is just about to turn 10 years old. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> and you were saying that, that Skip Ewing's demo of that was, was quite different from the direction you took it or, or your arrangement is am i right on that yeah it was and i i honestly i can't take credit for uh i mean the arrangement of rebecca lynn um skips is awesome if you ever get a chance to listen to it i mean it's it's amazing it's very the acoustic guitar part is just almost unplayable it's so good you know and skips performance is great uh, but but back to Billy Joe Walker Jr. I mean, bless his heart, he's not no longer with us. But he had a he had great great ideas of how to make something, you know, my own and give it an identity. And the reason that song was it sounds the way it it does is because of Billy's guitar playing and his musicality. And it's it's very much slowed down a lot more. And it's got a little bit more of a of a of a, of a kind of a gallopy swing kind of a feel in the in the in the the feel of the song, and it's just a little more slow and sultry, you know. Um, but I, I love that song, and I'm so grateful to to Don, to, uh, Don Sampson and Skip Ewing for writing that one. I love those guys. Might just make that our cover song of the night. Where can you find Skip's version? I believe the album that Steve, that, that uh, uh, Skip's version is on is called The Healing Fire. Okay, and if it's not available on Apple Music, you can definitely go to YouTube and find it. It's it's really cool. It it it'll bless you to listen to it. It's it's awesome. I'll definitely have to check that out. And and my daughter Becca, so she helps me out with the show from time to time. She records liners for me, so she definitely wanted me to tell you hello. She is obviously that song's namesake. So oh, that's so cool. Please <laughs> get please tell her I said hey. I will do that. And, and we, we talked a little bit about, you know, songs like that. You don't hear too much of that anymore, the, the songs that take you on a journey. But since then, I do feel like we've gotten a few here in, in recent years. Are, are those songs hopefully starting to make a comeback? Well, I, I hope so. Uh, I, I have no idea uh, what, the, what the answer to that question is. But uh, I, I, I think what it boils down to... Uh, is there are a, a lot of today's artists? They're they're really big fans of great music, and, and a lot. I think a lot of times when you're in the the throes of, of huge success, uh, there's a fear that comes with that. And I, I can, I'm saying that because I I know what it's like. But you 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 kind of fear losing your platform and where you're at, and so you try to continue to do do whatever it is that kind of keeps you relevant. And, and so I think a lot of people will probably deal with the fear of, yeah, like they know great songs, and, and I think some of them are starting to make those sacrifices uh, and go against, you know, w the norm. And, you know, for instance, like the examples I can think of, uh, I'm a huge Miranda Lambert fan, and I, I love Blake Shelton a lot. And I'll tell you something, th those those guys know 
they really know great country music and they know what a great song is and that and i'm so grateful for the house that built me and the song that just crushed me in the last five years is uh i lived it it was a blake song and, mm-hmm. and those are songs that remind me of what i grew up listening to and i'm so grateful for those artists like them that are, are willing to step out and, and go against you know all of the stuff that's going on and, and i'm not knocking it it's you know but not all of it's my cup of tea but I, I love that they when they hear something that they believe in they just step out and do it and and it's it that i think that's what it will take is more artists in, uh, at their level to, to really make those sacrifices and sort of turn it back you know I'm glad you said it that way because I think it's it's difficult for a newer artist to be able to step out on that limb. It, it takes an established artist to do it because if their record doesn't sell or doesn't go to number one, they can kind of handle it. But for a newer artist, they kind of have to toe that line that the label puts forth. You're exactly right, Glenn. But that's why it's encouraging to still to see a few more, even some of the newer acts, trying to step out on that limb and just put out good music, good songs. Who do you think's doing it best these days? Do you have a favorite current country artist? I'm going to have to go with Cody Johnson. Oh, good choice. I, I've been a fan of his long before anybody knew much about him. And, again, he's one of those guys. He has a few of those songs that they've got such an ache in them. They jar something in me, man. They they remind me of who I am. They make me thankful for my kids. He, he he writes songs like that, and I'm you know again, he's one of them guys that that gives me hope for the future. You know, and his new single "Human" is pretty much exactly what we were just talking about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, last time we talked, some of the songs that I didn't get to ask you about that I wanted to maybe hear some stories behind or get your thoughts on were um, "I'm Not Supposed to Love You Anymore." Um, what I remember about that is. And this might surprise you, but I remember getting a cassette uh, from Skip, and I remember I had a, I, I had just started, I, we were just killing it on the road, and I was, uh, I had a little, uh, a little time home. I lived in Creve uh, Hall in, in Nashville, and I had a Chevy S10 stick shift no no i had a shit i had a a ford ranger stick shift is what i had and i was sitting out in my driveway and i put this cassette in and i just flipped out over the song and it was just a skip ewing piano vocal and uh for anybody that doesn't know uh skip and i together consecutive consecutively had three number ones in a row uh three songs that skip wrote for me and I remember getting into the studio to record this, uh, and it was just all the players were just so invested, and it was just such a great day. And we we cut it at uh, Woodland Studios. And then when I went in to do vocals later, I always had really bad sinus and allergy issues in the early part of the 90s. And so a lot of times we would book studios on the West Coast and fly to California to do vocals because it was drier, you know, and I wouldn't have no, you know, my, my nose was always stopped up. And so we did the vocal here in Nashville, and I never was completely 100% pleased with that vocal because I always thought I sounded stuffy, but nobody agreed with me. Everybody thought it was awesome, and I just you know, bucked back at them and, and pushed and pushed and pushed to fix things. And they're like, no, it's fine. Trust me. 
and they were right. It was a number one record, you know. So you know, I, I did. Apparently, I was the one that was wrong, but I still hear a little bit of that stuffiness today. <laughs> but um, so grateful, man. I mean, that song, just the reaction playing that today, is still, you know, really palpable. You know, um, the other one we didn't ask you about was that's another song. That's one of my favorites. One, that's one of my favorite uh, vocal performances. Um, that one, I I sounded better to me. Um, I, I just think that's a, a a great country song, very very well written, and um, and it, it was a big hit. I'm just I love that melody, uh, and I, I love singing that one still to this day. That the audience sings every word to that song uh, every night. And what's crazy to me, they're usually right on point, and and that's how you can tell they're really big fans because the hook changes in that song in every chorus it's not the same hook every chorus you know it's you know that's another time then it's that's another song so it that's how you know they're big fans when they know those changes but i, I love that song it's 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 one of my favorites i can only imagine what that feeling must be like when you have a huge crowd just singing your songs back to you it's the greatest feeling ever i, I don't think audiences know just how much of a role they play in how great the show is or how great or how not great the show is, you know. They they bring such an energy to the table, uh, and, it, and it matters so much, you know. When when the crowd is on, like Saturday night I was in Troy, Illinois, and it was a sold-out show for a, a benefit, and they were all into it, you know. And it, 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 makes, you feel, it makes you feel so good. It's hard to explain, but you, you feel like you're exploding when, when they're excited to see you, you know. The other one I want to ask you about was actually written by a couple of your heroes. I know for a fact because you told me that Steve Warner is probably your biggest influence in life, and now you've become friends with him. And then Bill Anderson co-wrote this as well. Uh, one Small Miracle. How'd that land in your lap? Steve Warner knew that I was looking for songs and writing a bunch for my uh, third album, The Right Place. And he, uh, he sent me a dat out on the road. And I was on the bus, and we were, I had just gotten a package from FedEx, and it had a, a ton of cassettes and CDs and dats, and uh, Steve had sent me a dat just full of, of new tunes that he had written. And the one on there that just completely blew my shoes off was uh, One Small Miracle. And uh, I called Steve, and I said, hey, is, does anybody have that on hold, or is anybody doing anything with that and he goes nope it's all yours and i was like a little little kid doing the happy dance you know just in a candy store uh i just i was so i loved that song i loved the traditional aspect of it and and it gave me uh not only was it a great song but it gave me an opportunity to to bring steve in on something and be a part of something with my hero and i i humbly asked Steve, if he would sing harmony on it, like sing the low harmony on it, and he did. And the only thing I regret is I was so busy that year, I was not able to, to be there when we had him scheduled to, to do his background vocals. And so uh, the best I got to, the, the, the most present I could be was just over the phone. They played it, played a little bit of it for me over the phone. I was probably no telling where I was, but um, it was it was really a big deal for me to have Steve sing on something with me. 
Yeah, I remember you talking very glowingly of Steve Warner and how much he meant to you. One of the reasons you got into the music business yourself. So, yeah, I bet that was kind of a, a full circle experience to be able to experience that with him. Yeah, there's just no way to to really put into words. You know, it's it's just literally watching a dream come true just play out right in front of you. You know, do you still stay in touch with Steve? I do. Uh, talk about it. Uh, you know, another full circle thing uh steve called me uh oh about a month and a half ago and he goes he said uh, i want you to be at this i'm being inducted into the song national songwriters hall of fame yeah. uh, we have a we have a table left for you, for you guys to sit at our table with us and be there and i was in michigan the night before uh, and i thought and i it kind of made me panic uh and i had driven to to michigan to do this little acoustic show and I just, before I even thought about it, I just said, I will be there. I don't know how I'll get there, but I will be there. I'm not, I'm not missing that, you know. Uh, and I made it just in enough time. And, and to be able to, well, first of all, to be, you know, when, you, when you're thought of, it's such a special thing when somebody thinks of you to include you in something. And, you know, when you get a phone call from a, a guy like Steve uh, asking you to be a part of it, it's, it's, just, it's just the greatest feeling in the world, you know. And what a perfect inductee into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. So many great songs he's penned. Yeah, there's nobody uh, more deserving than Steve, man. He's, he is the quintessential triple threat. Songwriter, player, singer, artist. He, he does all of them. And you've penned a fair share of pretty darn good songs, too. And we've, we've talked about, about a lot of them in our, our previous interview one that I didn't ask you about, and I didn't even realize that you co-wrote this. Imagine that for Diamond Rio. I did uh, co-wrote that with uh, John Tiro and Derek George. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, we all three co-wrote so much for pretending together as well. That's awesome, and I had no idea. So you'd end up taking so much for pretending to number one. Diamond Rio got Imagine That. When you first wrote it, were you thinking about recording it, or did you write it with them in mind, or what? No, it, it kind of, it sort of wasn't until that song that I started kind of thinking in the, thinking in that direction. I, I, up until that point, I was always trying to create for myself. And, and, and then, you know, a lot of stuff started getting recorded. Uh, and I, then I started thinking, you know, when I would sit down, you know, to write, I, I was always, I started thinking a little bit more peripherally you know uh, I, I if if we wrote a song that that was not necessarily leaned in my direction i would at least kind of start thinking well huh i wonder who this might work for let's you know i i, I just started thinking a little bit more broad at that point you know well, marty Rowe delivered that flawlessly but as i think about it now i feel like that would have sounded really good with your voice on it too i actually have a demo of well i that's how they heard the song as we you know cut a demo and I'm, I'm singing the demo i'll have to send it to you sometime I'll let you check it out please do that i would love to hear it do you ever play it at shows or anything i actually did imagine that uh i played in st louis on sunday and i i uh did a, a songwriter show and uh i played that song that's awesome another reason to go see brian white next time he rolls through now speaking of cutting demos uh, you actually started out like a lot of artists do as a as a demo singer in Nashville, and I, I think it was, was it Glenn Campbell's publishing company that you first started working for? Yeah, that's the first publishing company that gave me a chance. Glenn signed me to a publishing deal, and I think I was maybe 20 years old, 
and uh, that's where I started cutting my teeth as a songwriter. I think it was like a maybe a bi-weekly draw or a monthly draw. That's where I start kind of started making a little bit of money. And 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 my other thing where I helped pay my rent was I started kind of developing a little bit of a a rapport with with writers and publishers. And I I started I got to where I was doing you know. 10 or 15 demos a, a week, you know, singing demos for songwriters and publishers, you know. Did you get to know Glenn at all during that time? I'm very humbled and honored to say that Glenn was my friend, and I I, I spent a lot of years and, and a lot of quality time with Glenn. We spent a lot of time in Arizona with him and on the golf course, and uh, we sang we sang a lot together, and he, he was just a tremendous, tremendous soul, man. That's awesome. Favorite Glenn Campbell song, if you had to pick? Gosh, that is that's a tough one. That came out of left field, Glenn. I wasn't prepared for that. Um, uh, I'm going to say, still within the sound of my voice. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, gosh, um, Wichita lineman. Mm-hmm. And where's the playground, Susie? That's one of my favorites. Um, man, I mean, I could literally just go on forever. Those are there's so many of them, but those are. Those are three that are really close to my heart, for sure. I figured I'd get Wichita Lineman from you. The other two are nice additions as well, and then I'll throw out there Gentle on My Mind. Oh, man. Yeah. During that time, while you're cutting demos at Glenn Campbell's publishing company, did any of those recordings go on to be cut by major artists? Uh, One off the top of my head that went to number one was a song. uh, It was called She Can't Say I Didn't Cry. It was a a Rick Tavino song, and it went to number one. I did the demo for that song. Several others that were, you know, they weren't, I don't think they were hits, but it was so cool that they ended up cutting it. And I I, I remember when Shenandoah cut a song that I sang the demo for, and and all I wanted to do was go buy the album so I could hear you know, Marty Raven, you know, sing something that I sang, you know. I mean, I was, I just thought it was so cool that Marty heard me sing, you know. Yeah, because I guess you, you got to realize a lot of those demos that you cut, they might not become hits, but they, they might be album tracks for, for artists and stuff like that. Correct, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's crazy. We started the show talking about how thankful you are, and you've been blessed to work with so many great people, Glenn Campbell, Steve Warner, how about Shania Twain? You told us the story of From This Moment On last time you came, and lo and behold, she's got a comeback going right now. She's going on tour, new album, new song. I'm sure you're happy for Shania. Yeah, I, I think that's exciting. I know a lot of her fans are you know over the moon about it, and uh, I hope that uh, this year, I hope my schedule affords me to be able to, to catch one of those shows. I'd love to, to see it. I'd love to to say hi to her it's been a it's been a minute um uh since i've actually been in the same room with her i, I was at the uh induction for steve uh for the songwriters hall of fame shania was all also inducted the same night but she was actually she did not attend at, uh, due to her schedule of recording this new album and so i was i was kind of excited i thought maybe i was going to bump into her but uh, she wasn't able to make it. So, but yeah, to answer your question, I'm super excited, and I love the the single she released not long ago. I thought it was great. So, pretty cool to see her back in the mix. And from this moment on, I mean, that's that's got to be one of the biggest songs you've been a part of. Yeah, without question, and uh, still very very grateful to be a part of it. Now, before we close our interview with you, since we've talked last, I've started asking artists their Mount Rushmore of country music. So. 
top four country singers of all time, artists that kind of define the genre. Can you pin it down? Yeah, but there's always tons more. Uh, and, I'm, you know, it's so subjective because everybody's, you know, it's all opinions and, and what Im- impacted people the most. So, you know, I'll probably give my rent Mount Rushmore and, and people will scratch their head and go, no, but you forgot about this guy. But, you know, you can't win them all and you can't please everybody. So I'll, I'll do my best here. I'm going to, I'm going to start with Steve Warner, of course. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, Merle Haggard. And then I'm going to say Ronnie Millsap. And gosh. I mean, how do you do this? This is almost <laughs> impossible. There's just too many. That's exactly why we want to get people talking, and also your opinion is important to us. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, I'm just going to drop Vince Gill in there. Oh, I like that. So, I like that quite a bit. So Vince Gill, Merle Haggard, Steve Warner, and Ronnie Millsap. I don't think you can go wrong with that right there. That's pretty good. I'm going to throw mine at you and tell me if you, tell me if you disagree. So I, we agree on Merle. I have Garth Brooks in there just because of what he did for country in the 90s. And right. I, I threw in um, George Strait and Hank Williams just for starting it all. Would you Would you agree? I love it. Dis- disagree with any of those? I love it. I love it. Yes. Brian, it's been, it's been a real pleasure catching up with you again. I wanted to get an idea from you if you had any uh, new projects or anything you got going on right now that you'd like to promote or get out there to your tons of fans that are listening here tonight. I haven't mentioned this yet. Um, I just finished uh, writing a Christmas song with my son, my youngest son, Jackson, and we just finished the, the track, and we're mixing it right now. And I don't think, Glenn, I don't think I've been this excited about something since I probably released my first album. Um, and we're a little bit behind the eight ball, but it's it's going to be out really soon. And I'm I'm so proud of this kid. It's been such a neat process. It's such a teachable process to be alongside him working on music together. He's a he's a developing singer and and playing keyboards, and he's he's learning a lot and developing really super. He's really on the fast track as far as just talent. I'm watching him grow and grow and grow. And uh, his name is Jackson White. So that's. That's where my head is right now, like currently right now. So that's awesome. How old is Jackson now? He's he's seventeen. Okay, very very cool. Yeah, yeah. And then aside from that, you know, I'm still. I know a lot of fans want to know where I'm going to be. I'm still traveling on the weekends quite a bit. Um, so they can go to brianwhite.com and see where I'm I'm going to be and and uh, and producing records on people and staying busy as a songwriter. So I'm kind of. Spinning plates, as they say. So. Yeah, and lots going on. Lots of lots of irons in the fire. Have Debbie send us that song. I'm always looking for Christmas songs to play, so I'll absolutely play it. Whether you have it in time for this year or next year, whatever, we we would love to have it. Oh wow, that's really nice of you, man. Thank you. I'll, I'll definitely do that. All right. Anything else you'd like to mention to your fans who are tuning in before we let you go, Brian? Well, I can never overstate how grateful I am for their support. Um, I'm I'm amazed every day still at how this music that I recorded back then still continues to connect me to people and and take me all over the planet. So I just I just want to let everybody know how grateful I still am. Look forward to seeing everybody out on the road. 
And we're very grateful to have you. You've been an excellent guest twice now. And if you ever want to come back on a third time, let's do it. Man, anytime. You let me know. I, I, I just hope we don't run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could find something. Talk football next time, maybe. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Brian. Thanks so much. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And the same to you, sir. Brian White, now a two-time member of the Honky Tonk Time Machine, spending Thanksgiving with us on K103.